Hey, welcome back to This Is Our Story and thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of those who have been following on our journey so far. Thanks so much for sticking it out this long. We've got some great content coming up in the episode ahead, but before we get into it, we just wanted to give you a quick heads up about a couple of things. Firstly, unfortunately, the internet connection was not our friend on the day that we did this recording and consequently you will hear the audio quality does oscillate a wee bit as we sometimes cut in and out. But please don't let that distract you from the great chat that we have coming your way. Secondly, and much more importantly, we wanted to provide a wee warning that some of the content that we cover in this particular episode might be triggering to some people. We deal with the topic and experience of abuse, and we then discuss some of the fallout from what followed, and we just want you to be aware of this going into it. This brings up anything from your own experience. We definitely encourage you to find someone you can talk to about it and get some help if you need it. But for now, just relax, enjoy the episode, and please let us know if you have any feedback. We would love to hear from you. Thanks. Hello, hello, greetings one and all. Welcome back to This Is Our Story. You are with your host, Lee Erin, and the indomitable Briar. <laughs> sometimes affectionately and sometimes with fear, called The Hammer. Um, <laughs> hammer fist. <laughs> After uh, some very traumatic memories of mine with uh, her um, propensity to kind of use all of her force behind a hammer punch. How's that for an intro? <laughs> hey, it's one of those things I will never forget. And neither will my thighs. <laughs> I grew out of it. I did. <laughs> well, I think just the arm got stronger. So now I'm... I could say all this stuff from here on the other side of the Tasman, so I won't get punched. Uh, I won't live in fear. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Thank you for sticking it out this long. Uh, congratulations, Briar, for sticking it out this long as well. Um, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling since, what, we're on episode five now? Yeah, I think we're sort of getting into the swing of things now, and I'm enjoying revisiting some of these, you know, these moments from when we were younger. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, we haven't really touched on many embarrassing things, so, so no. I'm not feeling too uncomfortable yet. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to get straight into um, story time, and the theme of uh, this week's story time segment is being naughty, being naughty, which of course I know nothing about uh, because I'm I, I was and, and have always been an angel. I, I was definitely the pro at being naughty. <laughs> Bri, you, you had a story that you wanted to share. Um, this is what it, so this is actually one of the stories that is probably like, I think every family has this kind of like traditional law, L-O-R-E law, you know, those stories that they bring out at, din at dinner parties and things. And this is one of the ones that mum has never forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I must have been quite young. And mum used to, well, for as long as I could remember, really, mum was always made homemade bread. And she used to spend ages on it, like several times a week, making loaves of bread. And she'd put it on the windowsill to to rise. Or sometimes, like on a nice warm day, it would be outside on the um, sort of the railing. That was because we were in a two-storied house. And um, I used to love eating the raw dough of this bread. 
And I was outside one day and I was picking at this bread and leaving holes behind oh, Just, in just the to, to be clear, like this is one of those things that you would get in trouble with constantly, right? I would yeah, yeah. always tell it, you off for this. It wasn't and the a one-off. the only time you could get away with it, as well, <laughs> it was definitely not a one-off. And the only time that you could get away with it was when we'd come home after school and the bread was still there, sitting outside, uh, <laughs> resting or whatever you call it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so one of the many times I was trying to sneak bits of dough from the bread, but it was always so obvious because you'd have big pinch marks in the dough. <laughs> anyway, Very this artistic. one day, yeah, this one day, I don't know, I must have picked it too hard, and the whole thing just tipped over and fell down below onto our gravel driveway. <laughs> And I was panicking because I knew this meant, like, that I would be in trouble. So I quickly ran around down the stairs to go pick up this bread that now had gravel. These like the these tiny little it. stones. I remember this so vividly. There's those <laughs> tiny little grey stones, right? Yeah. Fucking all through this, all through this bread. <laughs> but nobody knew, right? So I ran down and put it back where it was and sort of kneaded the dough a little bit to sort of cover <laughs> up the stones. <laughs> Next minute when it's um, been cut into, when it's been baked. Well, and because it, well, it was baked, like mum put it, because yeah. the whole thing with the bread, right? She comes home, now that it's been rising all day, she'll chuck it in the oven, bake it, and then it was like and, fresh and bread. no out, one was none the wiser until it was <laughs> mum was cutting into and it was like... <laughs> She's like, why is it so gritty, this bread? <laughs> like when you when she cut the slice off, there was stones all in it, and she was totally baffled as to why this loaf had stones in it. I can't remember if I admitted to it or what, but I think somehow they figured out that it had been me that had obviously been. <laughs> Who else was it going to be? <laughs> I was the only bread fiddler in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I preferred the cooked stuff. <laughs> yeah, And actually, this kind of uh, is uh, – neatly segues into answering that question which i brought up in the in the intro was you know like where did i get my love of bread bread was a very big part of our childhood actually <laughs> it was we would have bread like multiple times like homemade breads um oh, throughout the week so good though so we're very good. spoiled and then um because that that type of bread that mum was making was made by hand right mm. and so it was a bit more effort but then we had a bread maker which was probably one of well bread maker one of god's gifts to man I pray, I pray to the person who invented bread makers because uh, so it was just so amazing. We'd come home after school, right, and just smell the the, oh, the smell of fresh so bread. Mm. It's it, actually this even now when I smell fresh bread in the oven, it just takes me right back to that time. It's yeah. one of those real nostalgic things for me. And the loaves were never that big either, so we could literally demolish a loaf like after school between the two well, of I us. Mean, like I would demolish a loaf. Yeah, like <laughs> if you were would... lucky, you'd get a slice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mum oh, would so make fruit, fruit bread, and then by the time she got home, it was already gone. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a rare occasion, her making the fruit bread. Probably, I oh know, maybe raisins were more expensive to buy or something, I don't know. But on those days that we'd come home and it was raisin bread, we were so excited. We're like, yes, like hot raisin bread straight out of the bread maker was just so good. Huh. So good. Well, in terms of getting naughty, I very rarely – had many occasions i very rarely had occasions where i got in trouble for being naughty although that doesn't mean that i wasn't it was that i was just smart enough Bitter. not to get caught <laughs> and and literally fast enough not to get caught because one of my favorite tricks 
<laughs> One of my favorite tricks was to rile you up just enough, just <laughs> enough to get you to chase me and go crazy <laughs> With and the then fist. tell on you <laughs> and then get you sent to your room. <laughs> And of course, mum, mum and dad would never believe you that it was my fault because <laughs> of course why would not. they? <laughs> <laughs> it would be like I would tease you and some, poke you, poke the bear, sometimes literally, yes. just <laughs> enough. And then there'd be this, Karen! <laughs> and then you would start chasing after me. <laughs> um, and there's one particular moment which will live in infamy. And yet a little bit of pleasure on my part, because I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time where, where we lived in that house in Pakaraka and on Lubbock Road. You remember that place? Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I went outside and I set up a tripwire. <laughs> yes, I do remember this. With nylon, a nylon tripwire. <laughs> God knows how I thought up Cunning this little shit. Went, and then I went in and did my the same routine and, and poked the bear just enough to make you mad to chase me. <laughs> and I ran out. I jumped over the tripwire and then, of course, you did not. <laughs> and that sent you into a rage. <laughs> and uh, I was in uh, delight slash fear of the hammer fist coming after me. Because <laughs> you knew it would come. <laughs> I think I may have got in trouble for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I, there was that time when we were at the other house when you pushed me into the sink to annoy me, and I took ah, off yes. after you with my hairbrush, threw it at you across the kitchen. It, I didn't even mean to aim, like for your even your head, but well, it you hit you square in the mouth. That was just generally how you <laughs> acted when you were mad. You were like an uncontrolled beast. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it made you lose your tooth. And you, yeah, it hit me right had, in the mouth. Yeah, the, the only tooth. thing holding it in was your braces. <laughs> and, and um, I just remember very clearly mum just grabbing it and just shoving it back in. Yeah. Like, oh! but that's, it saved your tooth, though, didn't it? But I remember feeling like instant regret because I knew straight away I was going to get in big trouble for that. So I was <laughs> well, like, you were oh. laughing. <laughs> no, I was you like. You were laughing at me. <laughs> No, because then I was like, oh, shit, like, that was actually a lot worse than I thought. Because when you were like, ah, ah it's like, I was kind of laughing because I thought you were taking the piss. But then I was like, oh, shit, you, your tooth's actually falling like out. Blood everywhere, like, pouring out. <laughs> so, I yes, mean, that was, so, I mean, like, as as kids go that way, we're, we're pretty good. Although, like I will say, we, I think both of us got in trouble quite a bit at, at school, but because the school at our school, as we would have talked about before, there was just being in like a church school environment. There were just so many rules, <laughs> and it was just so easy, easy to get break. In yeah, very easy to break. I remember um, getting loads of detentions for th- most of the time. I don't even remember why, <laughs> no. because they just were such insignificant things. But I'd spend like hours washing windows and, <laughs> yeah. or just sitting in a room doing nothing, or writing lines, or I don't know, lots of random shit i yeah, remember I, I, we had a flood i remember having a flood once at the school because the the drain was blocked and we were told to stay inside and i deliberately disobeyed and went outside and unblocked the drain <laughs> and i came in and the teacher had to say thank you but then also give me a detention <laughs> <laughs> i swear sometimes when they just needed stuff done around the school slash church they would just hand out detentions willy-nilly not enough not enough labor in the church the church no. is too small 
I remember sweeping the church driveway and being told, put your back into it. <laughs> or windows, yeah, like you say, with newspaper. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, but generally, I, like, there wasn't too, um, too much drama for my on my part at school. Um, I was generally pretty good, and especially after a while when I was the eldest person in the school by quite a long way, I just kind of, people stopped really noticing me. I could just kind of almost do what I wanted. I was the oldest by like two years, I think. The school got to a, down to about 30 students or something at that point. So, yeah, no one was really checking in on me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, it was um quite, it was a very dull time for me. I didn't like it at all, but yeah. Mm. But I guess uh, on the topic of school, we were going to seg- segue into quite a change of pace because you wanted to share a story. It was quite a big part of your teenage story, school story. Yeah, I guess it was something that really um, stuck with me in a traumatic sense, actually. And um, it's something I'll never forget, but it was probably more so how it was dealt with um, that really was quite upsetting. And uh, I can't remember how old I was. I would have been... I don't know, like old enough, 13 or something. And there was a newish... 14 or 15, 15 maybe. Yeah, I I wasn't that young. There was a new family that had joined our school. And I think they'd moved up from, I don't know, another city. I think it was from Auckland or something. And um, we became quite good friends, myself and this other girl. And, um, yeah, one time I was having a sleepover at their house and... I was molested by this girl and I didn't know I I knew I it was wrong and I and I felt embarrassed by it and but I didn't know how to deal with it so I actually I sat on it for a little while until it got too much and it bubbled over and I told another friend of mine who was appalled and shocked at this information and she straight away told her mum and I was mortified it it was so it was like private trauma I didn't want to share it and I was so upset at my friend and quite angry at the time um, that she had told her mum who of course then told our parents and from then it kind of gets a little bit blurry but I know that the school didn't talk to me at all. This family basically got expelled, you know, this girl and the the whole family because she had a brother. They had to leave the school and I was never spoken to. I was never asked if I was okay, um, how did I feel, no sort of trauma counselling or anything of the sort. And even I I, I don't really remember mum or dad checking in on me either. Um, it just kind of became this dirty secret that I just had to deal with and, and move on and go back to school. And I remember feeling like, oh, my God, everybody knows about the secret. And I'm so humiliated and so embarrassed. And, yeah, I don't know if you remember anything from that time or whether you were told. I can't even remember. Yeah, I mean, I have very also very vague memories of this because it's. It, I remember the moment where mum and dad kind of called me into the lounge and you were there and I remember you were crying and um, mum was 
crying. It was quite an emotionally heavy moment for the family. And that stuck with me because this is very unusual for our family. Mm. We're generally quite, I don't, know, I don't know if this is over the top, but we're a bit emotionally stagnant when we're all together. Uh, we mm. don't generally share, um, let out a lot of emotions. Mum traditional is it comes from that traditional upbringing of pushing things down and, and dad very rarely lets emotion take over and we're just all of you would call us stable we're all very mm. stable emotionally even though there's a lot of stuff going on beneath the surface and so that's why that stuck with me is that mum called called me in and you know she wanted to tell me that you've been abused and that's the first time I heard her use that word mm. abused so it was the thing that we had been named but in my in my memories that are honestly quite vague, that's the last time we talked about it. Mm. See, I, it, may, I, it may have come up again, and I, and I can't say mm. that for some certainty, but for something that was so traumatic for you and then for us as a family unit, I would have. And I think if I was in the same situation, and I, I can't judge because it's a completely completely different but from my viewpoint now it's something that I would have wanted to work through over time and mm. talk about it and kind of get some of those emotions out and you're right and I don't remember anything ever happening at, at the school and no. it didn't it was very hush hush um, <clears throat> and I mean now that I've heard a lot of things that go on in church over the years it's often the way that churches deal with um scandal and scandals of this type it's just move it away it's not deal with it it's manage it mm. um, and uh it's it's really tragic and i and i think i don't know if you think that that has had much of an effect on on you and i don't know how, like did that stay with you for very long because you I mean oh, yeah. you didn't you didn't get a chance to talk to this girl again right no she was literally just whisked away and we were good friends up until that moment and i don't think she had malicious intent behind it it was just she was a little bit older than me too and I didn't want to be a part of it and she just sort of kept uh, pushing the idea and I think she probably just was I don't know she thought she was being experimental or something I don't know but so it probably had a different feeling for her than it did for me but I never saw her again um so that in itself was a bit of, you know, trauma as well. Like we were quite close. And, but I think what sort of more has stuck with me was that it, I wasn't helped through that time of need and emotion. And the adults in my life who were supposed to support and guide me through the good times and the bad, I didn't feel like they were there to support me through that time. And that's kind of what stuck with me. And it was like that about a lot of things like you've mentioned before in our family. Like we just don't talk about difficult things. Like I, I don't even remember that conversation in the lounge. Like I've obviously blocked that out. But it's, but it's did, do you know who knew about it though? Um, no. Like I did mean, other was, like did other adults in our lives know about it? Well, apart from my friend's parents. Um, pardon. So probably not. Um, yeah, and my, my point being that other people in our lives at that stage, say youth leaders and people who were mm. probably in a position to be some kind of mentor in that situation, I, I would. If they had known yeah. about it, they might have been able Maybe. to. Work through yeah, that. I, 
I imagine that it, the whole situation was probably a bit of an embarrassment to our parents as well. You know, we don't talk about that stuff and we don't know how to talk about it. So they probably wouldn't have wanted to share that with too many people that mm. needed to know because both our parents, very private people, they would not have wanted to share that information. But I know for sure that the pastor knew. So it's there's potential that the youth pastor might have found out and maybe some of the teachers. I'm not sure. But it was just very hush-hush and there was no support for me during that time at all, which was yeah, yeah, traumatic in itself, I think. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of strange talking about it now because, I mean, even you and I have not really talked through no. this particular thing. Um, but this is what this podcast is about, right? It, it was just like a, it was like a blip, a small mm, blip. That's it, exactly. Um, that's... On one hand, you can call it a a good thing that we we don't dwell on it, and then on the other, when it's such a traumatic thing, we know now as yeah. millennials, right? We've come yeah. to learn this throughout our lives that dealing with trauma is and working through it is very important. Uh, and and these things they do resurface in ways that we we don't understand until mm. much later. So I think it'd be interesting to as we go through this journey to see if this particular story. Yeah has cast any shadows over mm. experiences post that moment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I guess it was that being that young as well, that was, you know, again, as you discussed in the previous episode about how we had no sexual education either. So this was yeah. my first sort of sexual experience and it wasn't a positive one. And again, maybe, <clears throat> maybe mum and dad just didn't have the tools to deal with it because they had you know they'd never had anything like that uh sort of happen before um mm. and maybe they just didn't really know how to what questions to ask me yeah. you know like if I was okay or whatever I'm not really sure but uh yeah. I, I guess that's um, poignant at, at thinking about future partners and stuff you know that being my first sexual experience it surely has had an effect on mm. on things, you know, from that point. I think if I look from my own perspective of these few years, teenage years before heading off to uni, I, I, I lived in a bubble on my own where I just didn't know anything about anything. And I didn't really have any interactions with – because I, I think you probably had a few more inter- – obviously you didn't know a lot yourself, but you had more interactions with – like with this relationship stuff than I did. And you had, I, I do remember some other experiences that you had before you left home, mm-hmm. um, which I came to be aware of later on. And I didn't have anything to do with any, like, there was nothing like that in my life. Very, very innocent, but also really shy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any type of relationships that could have become that any, either because I don't know, just, I couldn't even imagine being, um, kind of pulled into any type of sexual experience because it was a million miles away from Mm. (laughs) where I was at. And like you say, it wasn't, again, I've had other things like, uh, so mum and dad used to bring people into our household, Mm. like boarders, and at one time we had some people from Bangladesh coming to live with us. I think they were something to do with the church. I don't know if they came over from Bangladesh to live with us to join our church. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember 
and this was actually when I was quite a bit younger. We were in a, a hotel with mum and dad and you and these two guys. And uh, for some reason, I had I had begged to go to use their hotel room to, so I could watch TV. And mum and dad said, yeah, that's fine. And then one of them came into the room and was acting, I don't know what the right word is, predatory, I guess you could say. Mm. And I was quite young, but I remember feeling yuck about it. And I just ran out of the hotel room and ran down to mum and dad who were having a coffee down in the like hotel cafe and been like, so-and-so tried to do this. And they would not let me out of their sight after that. But again, that wasn't something that was discussed no nah, yeah. it wasn't discussed at all you know little I was gonna say little things like that sort of throughout my life have have happened which actually they're not little they're quite it's quite a big deal actually yeah they well they built they're just building blocks and so they that's it they, yeah. that when it at the time it seems easy enough to push them aside as an isolated incident but there mm-hmm. there's another thing that happened which I don't know if you how clearly you remember one of the other strays that mum and dad looked after an older guy who used to spend a, also from in the church um, used to spend a lot of time at our house and um, then I think you must have been about 16 at the time ish maybe and he became very comfortable with you and he used to spend a lot of his time with you even when I was still around I didn't really I had nothing to connect with him about. He was an older guy and I just wasn't really interested. But he used to hang out with you and, and I mean, you were naive to it. But I I was aware that it seemed like he had some kind of intention there. And, and, and I, rem- I do remember this. Um, it makes me kind of cringe, actually, to think about it. You, you know who I'm, who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. And... Um, I remember the subject came up of how close he was getting to you with mum and dad. And I remember them saying that they'd noticed, Mm -hmm. but that they were just kind of watching it, but it wasn't in a negative way, the way that they talked about it. It It's like, Mm. oh, this could, maybe he's actually got genuine interest there. It's just like, it makes me, yeah, I feel that Mm. inside now. Yeah. Yeah. And like and you say, I do remember in the end, off. he he tried to kiss you, I think. I, mm-hmm. I remember that hap- happening, or at least me hearing about this. And I think they must have come to their senses then and, and said that that wasn't okay anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't come back after that, I don't think. Well, the, um, you know, mum and dad were quite naive too, I guess. Yeah, they, they, they were. They, But, I mean, it's one of the things I love about, about them is that they believe the best in people yeah. to a fault, to a fault. So yeah. we, we had people come through our home all the time, um, and I really respect them for this because they were always bringing people who didn't have family to look after them or, or didn't um, – they were just kind of lonely, didn't have mm. perhaps um, – much going for them they were kind of people who just didn't perhaps fit in with everybody else but it was they you know had come through the church or whatever and they would just want to look after them like an extended family and Mm. I guess this kind of takes us off on another big part of our younger years was mum and dad um, adopting this guy 
<laughs> we'll just keep him nameless uh, for now, but kind of an awkward situation. And this happened more towards just before I went off to uni. Uh, there was a guy, same the same kind of classic situation where he didn't have any family in the area. He was a mutual friend of mm. um, the other family that we were really close with, and he gradually was spending more and more time with us. And this is not a dark story, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't really compare to the stories <laughs> that just, we've just talked about, but it, it's more of just an awkward situation. Spending more and more time with him. I, I mean, I, I like the guy. He's a nice guy, but I didn't really know him very well. Then I left home, and uh, I think there's probably a bit of a, a de facto son vibe that took over, a bit of empty mm. nest syndrome after I left. Uh, mum and dad, mostly mum, to be honest, wanted another young guy to look after. And I'd always been a little bit resistant to being looked after anyway. Mm. Um, I was quite independent even at that age. And... Um, you know, this guy was there and he needed help. Well, I don't know if he needed help, but he definitely he, he needed some support. He needed a place he, to be. He was like, he was in his 20s, though. He wasn't young. He just didn't have any family um, yep. in New Zealand. So I think mum just sort of took uh, took it upon herself to to take him under her wing. Yeah. Uh, whether, whether he wanted that or not. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I've never really, I've never talked with him about this too get his his feeling on the matter but I've always got the sense that whilst he was very appreciative of their support he probably did, didn't need it as much as, yeah. as our parents thought he did uh and he probably but, just you know, they, they were, that they relationship kind of welcomed out of obligation him yeah they welcomed him in and then um when I was away at uni all of a sudden <laughs> it just kind of became official that he was um a son an extra, an extra son, and like I'm, oh, I'm talking about, like in language and in in every sense of the word, he became another member of the family. Uh, Mum, on one of my few trips home when I was at uni, told me that they were trying to actually adopt him formally, oh, um, which I thought was fucking weird. That's so weird. weird. Um, but they couldn't because he was too old. <laughs> <laughs> But she wanted me to know that for um, they, they wanted to treat him like uh, a son. And I honestly just at, at this time, I just didn't I would never express my discontent at this time because I was um, I was just not me. It was very would have been very out of character for me to talk about how I was feeling. But I didn't know honestly how to cope with that. Um, and I, it's not like I didn't feel threatened or anything. I'm. I'm I don't know. I it, it meant nothing to me on that level, but it just felt weird. It felt strange, mm. especially because I didn't know him. It's know? a bit of a sting, though, to be honest. I think for me, even though I loved him like a brother too, like we, I spent a lot more time with him than you did, and he would come up in his uni holidays and Christmas time and when we went camping, he was always around. So I probably spent more time with him because I was still at home. Even, did you know that they actually thought that you might end up together? What? Yeah, mum mentioned that. Just goes really? to show how naive mum and dad were. He's 12 years older than me. I know, yeah. Oh, my God. Mostly, mostly mum. Just very naive about how these things develop. Well, yeah. well, that would have been extra weird if I did because if they yeah. saw him as a son, <laughs> yeah. then, oh, yeah, that, ugh, that just makes me cringe. 
Um, But yeah, he became a big part of my life and we um, talked all the time. Like he lived in another city to where we were, but yeah, we became quite close. But even, you know, mum and dad, well, like you say, particularly mum would talk about him a lot. Like it just Mm. sort of saturated every conversation. um, And even that for me felt a bit weird. It was like, no, Kieran and I are your kids. Like he's, yes, he's, a big part of our lives, but he is not biological family. Like mm. this makes me as your daughter feel weird. And like, I'm second best to this person that's just come into our lives. Mm. As much as I, I loved him like a brother too, you know, we were very close, but yeah, it was still quite a weird, unusual scenario. Yeah. yeah. And, and he I wasn't mean, the only one that sort of was adopted into our family, but he yeah, was, but he was the, the most adopted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like this is something that stayed with us through all these years and I, I've come to terms with it. I, it doesn't really register on my radar anymore, uh, but it is something that's still an ever present thing in our family, which we'll talk about in another time. Um, mm. But it's been a big part of the, a more recent chapter in mm. the family life. Yeah. We'll save, save, <laughs> save that talk for another time. Mm. But yeah, it was always strange. Um, introducing this guy as an adopted brother because yeah get so he's he's of away. a different different ethnicity so when people see that he's when they introduce him as their son like literally that's how they would they would say it oh this is this is you know this is karen and 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 briar our children and this is <laughs> what's his yeah. name our son I, I felt sorry for him like looking back he must have been cringing on the inside yeah. too like whoa was, I'm not was, your and son. people would look at me like they don't look the same <laughs> oh, like, man, they, like it's a conversation for another time <laughs> for a young guy in his 20s who's you know probably yeah. finding his own feet having moved out of home himself to be yeah. <laughs> called son it's like yeah. um <laughs> yeah that not me strange strange but um, yeah, that's uh, we will revisit this at a different time. <laughs> yes, still lots. To I, kind, say. I, I kind of um, we've had some pretty heavy topics this one, so I kind of wanted to begin just like segue into something a little bit lighter. We wanted to uh, kind of finish off with one of our probably one of my formative, more fun memories of things that we did you and I together. Because if you haven't picked it already. Like we were, as in you and I were basically enemies <laughs> through our teenage years. And so even through like this time when things bad stuff was happening to you, right? I didn't feel that brotherly affection because we had so much animosity there mm. generally. And um, there was there were no connection points. So like whilst I felt the emotion and, and anxiety of the moment, I didn't react to it in a way that someone who was really close to you would have. Yeah. Um, because we'd just kind of come apart at some point. Um, but this these, this particular memory is one of the few times we would actually go away and do something. Well, not, not just you and I, obviously, we were mm. with a group, but uh, it was something that we have a shared memory of in our later teenage years. And this was um, a music festival called Parachute Festival, and it was one of the few things that our parents allowed us to go to don't you think it's actually quite surprising considering all the rules we had all that yeah. you know this was a big ticket of freedom for us going to this festival 
Yeah, so this was a music festival. It was in um, central North Island of New Zealand um, called Parachute Festival. It was a Christian music festival, which was the main selling point, trying to convince mum and dad to let us go. And the tickets were not cheap. Yeah, it was not. But I think they came to the first one that we went on. They came to a couple of them, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why they were were, um, okay with the idea of us going. Eventually, we went without them. But because they'd been already, they um, kind of understood what it was. Uh, and it was, I mean, parts of the festival are a little bit cringy now. Um, but it was like, it was a good time. And uh, at that time, it was, there were two big festivals in New Zealand. It was Parachute and it was Big Day Out. Big Day Out was the quote unquote secular, secular <laughs> and bad, 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 where people did drugs and got drunk and all this type of stuff. Whereas Parachute <laughs> Festival was the good one, where alcohol and drugs were not allowed and there were rules and people were safe. And uh, like it's more of a family orientated type thing, although a lot of young people did go. And I'm sure some bad stuff happened. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure of it. Um, I didn't see it. The, I was very the, naive to it. The toilets themselves were a crime. <laughs> it was <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> the portaloos. <laughs> I just remember every now and then if there was a, a breeze that, that went in the wrong direction, <laughs> you'd be like dying. <laughs> and it was always my, my worst nightmare was, so when you first arrived, you used the toilets because they were still relatively clean. Yes. <laughs> but by by the end of it, was like three days, right? Yeah. By day three, you were like, just hold it in, hold it in. <laughs> but this, like, was, like, this was a big was trip summer for us. So well. it was about maybe eight, six to eight hour drive to Parachute, mm-hmm. plus all the traffic because the traffic getting in there was awful. So uh, uh, we didn't really explain the festival. So it's three days of all the kind of top Christian bands and some of those kind of on the edge <laughs> bands, which were sort of Christian um they would be at this festival it was run by um, a church in auckland one of those mega churches and it was basically a camp situation and at, at this stage it was uh in a place that had kind of a natural amphitheater oh you know what i just remember we haven't talked about convention that's a topic for yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> It was so we had we had some prior knowledge of the site that it was held at because we went used to go to this um, school competition thing which we'll talk about perhaps in the next episode. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't talk about it. Great memories. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm off track. I'm off track. So we knew the site, we knew what it was like, and so I guess that's what pulled us in. But it was on a farm basically. Um, cut to that part. It was on a big farm and it had a huge natural amphitheater with a where the main stage was in a beautiful spot, amazing mm. place to have a music festival. And it was, I don't know, multiple different stages, thousands of people, awesome summertime. experience. Summertime, yeah, mm. quintessential New Zealand summertime and camping, of course. So that was always an adventure. And you go there with all epic. your friends and we're just staying up late and hanging out with them and then going to different music events. Um, on our own without mum and dad tagging along. It was like it was our, we were living it was a dream. Time of our lives. It was a yeah. dream. Yeah. Uh, and I have some great memories of the festivals. I think we went to maybe three, three years in a row, maybe. The last one without mum and dad. And if I'm honest, like all the stuff that we could have potentially gotten up to, all of the shifty stuff, I didn't do anything. Like yeah. I was <laughs> We were probably too scared of being found out or well, I just didn't even know. Like, 
all, so you think about a lot of other people who at that age, because this would have been like 15, for me, 15 to 17. Um, at that age, young people are getting up to all sorts of mischief with girls and boys and playing around, <laughs> experimenting, what have you. And, a, and getting away at a music festival would be the ideal place to do that. And it did not occur to me. Like, I just yeah. <laughs> so But we, we so were probably naive. just having so much fun just doing the stuff that we weren't normally. Yeah, it probably yeah. Have even I, mean, entered no, I don't regret, like, not doing that because yeah. it was it really made the event what it was because mm. I was just totally focused on that. And mm. it was just so good. Yeah. Uh, but that was oh, my I, I earliest experience of big live bands. Yes. I have memories of lining up at the merch table to meet the bands and oh, get, yes. get your signature on the T-shirt that you just bought. And I have like one having crushes on bad moments, actually, because <laughs> one of the bands, one of the biggest bands at the time, so big I can't remember their name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, they had a, um, a drummer, uh, a chick drummer, a girl drummer. And um, and I remember when I went up to get the signed and and um, I was like, oh, it's so good to see a a, a girl drummer. And then like, well, I'm a drummer too. <laughs> and then she was just <laughs> so disinterested. Relatable. She must have heard this so many times. It was such a sexist comment to make. <laughs> and even now, like every time I think of that, I'm like, oh my god, why did I say that? <laughs> but no, very great memories. I don't remember specific things of what happened there, but. Uh, I just remember it as being a like just a generally good memory. Mm. I remember like rocking out to Earth Suit. Do you remember Earth Suit? And they Ex- had these yes, gigantic yeah. glasses that everybody. Yeah, yeah. Earth Suit. They were the pre-runners to to Mute Math. Uh, mm-hmm. Mute Math being one of my all-time favorite bands. Yeah, great, great memories. And still that remember was, some of their songs. Like too. even Earth Suit, like was pretty hardcore for something. That you know the borderline you know things that we probably wouldn't usually yep. have been allowed to listen to, but because yep. it was Christian, it was okay, even though it was hard. Uh, it's also probably one of my, f- or if not my first experience with electronic music, it was like a techno a DJ there, and they had like this was weird because they would have these worship nights. Do you remember that? Oh, the yeah. last night was like a worship night, and they would have someone up doing playing music, and then everybody it would be like a like a church service. That was a bit cringy for me because I didn't really enjoy that. I wasn't there no. for it. I no. didn't go away to go to another church service. I, I, I doubt anybody was there for that, to be honest. <laughs> no, there were, no, there were a lot of people because they had this big DJ, Christian DJ, and he was there playing his techno, but it was like he was telling people to, you know, to raise their hands and praise God and all this kind of stuff, and it's 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 just techno music. <laughs> Still really um, maybe, I'll try, maybe I'll look it up because – I'd be yes. interested because, like, I do appreciate electronic music now, but back then I hated it. So it'd be interesting to know if they're, if it's actually decent. I'll have to look mm. into that. Yeah. And actually the last parachute I went to, um, I remember because it was also with my ex-partner. So um, mm. that's something to talk about to bring up in my in the next, in the next chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess this kind of, this episode really draws to a close the the teenage years. Obviously, there's we can't necessarily cover everything, and other things may pop up as they get remembered. And this is the way that my memory works, right? It's we'll get probably get two episodes in the future, and then I'll be all of a sudden remembering something that I should yeah. have talked about, which is fine. And and I guess we'll just we'll go with it. We'll just yeah, roll with it. Yeah. 
but so our, our next episode we're going to start getting into the leaving home years the first years of uni and i'm pretty sure i have this deja vu because i'm pretty sure i said the same thing at the end of the last episode <laughs> that we we're going to talk about this stuff in this one but obviously not but i promise that will be the topic of of the next episode uh any closing remarks Briar? No, just um, hope you're enjoying hearing our stories so far and hopefully it's not been too heavy, but I'm sure you've it's learned a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're learning stuff about each other on this journey, so hope you guys are enjoying hearing about it. So, so yeah, thanks for joining us and uh, stick around um, and we will see you again soon. Thank you. Hi, Kakite. Ka